Sometimes going to the grocery store can be chaotic. There doesn't seem to be enough time to check the list, make sure everything is there, search for the best prices, and take the time to make sure you get the best quality meat. So let ButcherBox help you out. Giving you peace of mind, ButcherBox delivers high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust straight to your door. No grocery carts required. Humanely raised, no antibiotics or hormones, 100% grass-fed, free-range, and crate-free, what more can you ask for? What about free shipping, customized box plans, exclusive member deals, recipe inspirations, tips, and tricks? You really can't go wrong with ButcherBox. Sign up at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breasts, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash morning cup and use code morning cup to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What interferes with your happiness? What are some things standing in the way of being the best version of you? For a lot of people, life, your past, and sometimes your current situation can cause roadblocks in your life. Mental health is incredibly important, and so many, including myself, can benefit from talking to a professional and working to dismantle those roadblocks. That's why I'm excited to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. BetterHelp knows no two people are the same and will help to assess your personal needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. These incredibly convenient appointments are in a safe and completely private online environment, and you can start chatting with your new therapist in under 24 hours. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling. You can message with your counselor at any time and get a timely response, plus schedule weekly video or phone sessions, which means no driving to an office, no waiting rooms, and no awkward small talk. Just meaningful sessions with experts who specialize in things like depression, stress, anxiety, relationships, trauma, family conflict, LGBTQ matters, grief, and so much more. There is truly someone there for everyone. And BetterHelp is committed to finding your perfect match. Which means if you and your counselor don't mesh for whatever reason, they make it easy and free to seek someone new if needed. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. And with financial aid available and access worldwide, they truly make it easy for anyone to seek the help they need. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash morning cup. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a... Weird homicide. Scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird morning. Cup of murder. When it comes to children and their emotions, there is hardly ever black and white, right and wrong. Sometimes you do what you think is best, only to be met with a negative result. On February 12, 2008, a young boy lost his life and left educators wondering if they did the right thing or if their actions led to not just his murder, but another boy's prison sentence. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Lawrence King was born on January 13, 1993, to an underaged mother who was addicted to both drugs and alcohol. 
Knowing she would not be able to take care of her child financially, and after working for a while as a sex worker to try and support her children and her addiction, she gave up Lawrence, who was two years old, and his newborn brother Gregory to Don King for adoption. Unfortunately, Lawrence failed to thrive in his new home, and at a very young age was diagnosed with ADHD, and according to his father, something called reactive attachment disorder, which is a condition developed when a child fails to develop relationships with his or her caregiver. He had to repeat the first grade, and by the third grade, was the subject of some pretty serious bullying. You see, Lawrence had come out of the closet when he was just 10 years old, and since letting everyone know his sexuality, had moved into dressing in a more effeminate style he felt suited him. A style and an openness that wasn't fully accepted by his classmates, school officials, or really his family. When he was 12 years old, Lawrence was placed on probation after taking food from the refrigerator in the King's home. And in November of 2007, he was removed altogether and placed in a group home after claiming his father was physically abusive, which, of course, Gregory King denied. Lawrence attended a different junior high when he reached seventh grade one where he felt he was more accepted than at his previous school, but only marginally. He still had issues with his peers, especially the boys who were in his gym class. Some of the teachers at the E.O. Green Junior High thought the principal should get involved and rein in Lawrence, claiming his outfits were distracting and a violation of the dress code. But California had an anti-discrimination law that prevented any discrimination against gender or gender expression. So as long as Lawrence followed the same rules about his outfits that every other student did, things like makeup, jewelry, and high heels were allowed. Sue Parsons, the vice principal at the time, even sent out an email to all of the teachers and staff, stating, We have a student on campus who has chosen to express his sexuality by wearing makeup. It is his right to do so. Some kids are finding it amusing. Others are bothered by it. As long as it does not cause classroom disruptions, he is within his rights. Even going on to state that, if necessary, they may have to watch the other children and encourage them to be more non-judgmental. Many of the teachers were against the ruling, and both they and Lawrence's father accused the school's principal of encouraging his flamboyance to push their political agenda. Soon, Lawrence, fully emboldened to wear as he pleased, was wearing flashier outfits and, in 2008, asked that friends and teachers start to call him Letitia, though I could not find any information on if he made a preferred pronoun known. And when his peers took the opportunity to harass him, he answered with his own form of payback. He would go into the locker room and tell the boys how much he liked them and how attractive they were. And when they reported his actions to teachers, he would tell them, I know you want me. I can imagine this was all in good fun, but one boy in particular wasn't receptive to Letitia's teasing. Brandon David McInerney was born on January 24, 1994, to a mother who was addicted to methamphetamine. Brandon's life was tumultuous, to say the least, and he watched his parents exchange verbal and physical abuse throughout most of his childhood, and was seen by his fair share of Child Protective Service officials. By 2004, his mom was in rehab and Brandon was living with his father. Now, according to the stories, Brandon and Letitia had their fair share of run-ins. But in 2008, when Letitia walked into the middle of a basketball game to ask Brandon if he wanted to be his valentine in front of the whole team, yelled out, love you baby, in the hall, and walked back and forth in front of him wearing high heels and trying to get his attention, causing his friends to poke fun at him, Brandon had had enough. 
He became visibly upset, and when he did, the school's principal, the one accused of pushing her political agenda, chastised Brandon and told him to be more understanding. This was too much for him to bear, and Brandon spent the rest of the day trying to recruit other students to help him beat up Letitia, even telling his friends to tell Letitia goodbye. But no one was willing to join his one-man brigade against his classmate. On February 12, 2008, two days before Valentine's Day, 14-year-old Brandon McInerney walked into the school carrying a 22 caliber revolver in his backpack. They sat in the same classroom while Brandon looked at Letitia and then, at 8.15 a.m., pulled out the weapon, pointed it at Letitia's head, and shot twice from behind. When he was finished, he threw the gun onto the floor and walked out of the room. Police caught up with him several minutes later, about five blocks from the school. 15-year-old Letitia King was rushed to St. John's Regional Medical Center, where, the next day, he was declared brain dead. He was kept on life support for two days so that his organs could be donated. The media went wild. The case was soon dubbed the most prominent gay bias crime since the 1998 murder of Matthew Shepard and brought forth the constant and ever-present issue of gun violence and the right to bear arms, as well as gender expression and sexual identity in teenagers. Diversity bills were passed and vigils were held, all while Letitia's adopted father scoffed at his son's gender identity. Gregory King was unconvinced that his son was gay and said that not only was Letitia, a name he refused to call him, sexually harassing Brandon, but that his son was being made into the poster child for gay rights. In August of 2008, he filed a claim against the school and Ventura County Superior Court, saying that the school allowed his son to wear makeup and feminine clothing, thus causing his death. The suit didn't go anywhere, as the school could not legally stop Letitia from wearing the clothes he chose to wear. On August 7, 2008, Brandon McInerney pleaded not guilty to premeditated murder and a hate crime, and he was evaluated by a psychologist and deemed competent to stand trial. His trial, which was postponed after his father was found dead in his living room after a fall, didn't begin until July 5, 2011. The prosecution related to the jury how Brandon was a popular boy who was skilled in martial arts and firearms, and was a white supremacist who was being picked on by a boy wearing women's clothing, something his ego just couldn't take. While Brandon's attorney painted Letitia as an aggressor who provoked Brandon and that no one ever saw how serious the sexual assault truly was and left Brandon no way out. This case was incredibly difficult to try, and on more than one occasion, the jury and spectators found themselves in tears. Gregory King, furious at what was being said, collected his family to leave the courtroom, and as they passed the 13-year-old daughter of the English teacher who gave Letitia a dress when he confided in her about his sexual exploration, Don King, Letitia's mother cursed at her. She was then barred from the rest of the trial. The trial finally ended on September 1, 2011, with the judge, after the jury failed to reach a unanimous decision, declaring it a mistrial. A second trial began without the hate crime charge, and this time with a guilty plea to second-degree murder, voluntary manslaughter, and use of a firearm. He was sentenced to 21 years behind bars. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on February 13th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. 
If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.